0: On today's episode, we'll be discussing whether RPM is overrated and be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag H-I-T-S-M and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hum. Plus, check out our 16 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. You ever used RPM, Colin? I have not.
1: Well, I shouldn't say that. I have not used anything to do with a sensor.
0: <laughs> well, I've I've used RPM to monitor you, make sure you're working hard, and uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> I can tell
1: that by the times I send emails.
0: <laughs> I put some hidden sensors in your house when I was visiting. And
1: <laughs> oh, that's what it
0: is. No, I mean I think that's the fear many people have, right? That you're like, wait, so I want you to monitor me, but do I trust you? <laughs> well yeah i mean
1: it's it is it, you know the whole privacy aspect of rpm is interesting right when you consider especially when you start talking about you know uh, nascent sensors built into the walls or in the floors uh, you know detecting falls or whether people are are getting up uh, you know taking their medicine that kind of thing it can be viewed as very intrusive right
0: yeah it can it depends on how it's implemented
1: yeah but like so for you john what is what does what does RPM or remote patient monitoring, what does it include?
0: So I think what's interesting is that it's kind of been corrupted in a couple different ways, right? Uh, you know, when you hear remote patient monitoring and most people I think go towards the sensors, right? Mm-hmm. You know, can I wear my Apple watch and be remotely monitored? You know, can I put on some other sensor that's tracking my weight, you know, or my smart scale, et cetera, right? Like all these things that take Biometric or you know or you know biomarkers for us, uh, you know that indicate how our health's doing remotely when we're at home, you know, and and of course you hear the stories of us taking all that data and sharing it with the doctor, but the idea with the remote patient monitoring, you know, it could be you know, like, hey, I want to see all of that data and proactively care for these patients outside of the four walls of the exam room or the hospital. But I think we've also seen a big evolution in that. And we've seen it in a couple of different ways. One is, it doesn't have to all be sensors. (laughs) Or it could be really interesting sensors, like you said, like a LIDAR in the room that tracks activity or, or even video cameras that track activity, or it could be just the patient saying, how am I doing? You know, how, what is my pain level? I mean, we were doing essentially remote patient monitoring with every COVID vaccine in the U.S. with, I think it's called safe something or whatever, where you got an email and they were remotely monitoring. Did you have symptoms? Did you not? You know, if you did have symptoms, then I'm going to escalate you. So that was real basic. And all that was was reported by me. There were no sensors involved or anything like that. Then on the other side of things, we have remote patient monitoring in the hospital. And that's a really interesting space with things like virtual sitters. It obviously exploded with COVID where you're like, okay, I need to do my rounds, but I don't want to go in any of those rooms, right? (laughs) Because they have COVID and I don't want to go there. And so then we saw this whole evolution of remote patient monitoring, which often included some sort of video telehealth where the nurse could just remote into the room and say, how are you doing? And the patient says, I'm doing fine. And that's all they needed. Move on, right? They can finish their rounds. So we're seeing a lot of that. And then we're seeing it taken even one more level further, which is Okay, I want to remotely monitor a bunch of these patients in specialty care, but the specialists may not even be at the hospital. In fact, they may not even work at the hospital, but they're the expert of that. And so they are, they can access the, you know, either the telehealth or the vital signs of that patient to see what they're doing and be able to visit them virtually and monitor them virtually and care for them virtually. So that the specialist, the doctor is not in the hospital, but the patient is. And I think that's a really fascinating approach.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think RPM has been, uh, it's a blanket term now, as opposed to something specific. It, It definitely includes all the devices that you would need to monitor a patient, whether that patient's at home or physically in the four walls of your building. Um, It also includes things like you're talking about like the telehealth add on, I think is an important part. And in fact, in uh, 2021, I wrote an article that was talking about the study that kind of looked at the efficacy of remote patient monitoring and whether that made a difference. And the answer was it did, but it had almost nothing to do with the sensors and more about more about what the sensors were able to trigger and then who responded. So Mm -hmm. you needed the sensor to say, is someone in distress? Is someone heading the wrong way? But it really, uh, what, where the benefit came from was having someone on the other end of that, looking at that data, going, "Oh, like I really need to call the patient now and and talk to them right now to figure out what's going on and help them," because uh, without that, it's more of like you get an alarm, but if no one's looking at it, what's the point? Right. Yeah. So having that, having that telehealth aspect, at least in the study that was was done at um, at uh, at McMaster it kind of showed that you needed that human component in order to make the remote patient monitoring effective. Um, and yeah. you're right. I mean, we were doing RPM kind of in the old school way of like, hey, maybe um, having them answer a phone survey. So what's your pain level today? And press the right button, right? Like, Or, or, or answer so the app or reply by email. Like that's all forms of remote patient monitoring. It's not all about the sensors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is interesting to think about what do you do with all that data, right? I mean, that's a topic for another day, right? And I think that's the challenge of RPM is that it's just this massive data and what do we do with it and how do we make it effective? And then to your point, yeah, I mean, we could identify all of these problems. I think we do this in social determinants of health. We identify all these social determinants of health problems but then we don't know what to do with it. Right. So it's one thing to know that there's a problem. It's another thing to actually act on it. And it's another thing to be able to act on it with the resources that actually can change whatever, you know, trending line is, is not looking good.
1: Right. So, so let's get to the title question, John, is RPM overrated? Definitely.
0: (laughs) I think it's such a nuanced, uh, you know, question because as we just discussed, there's so many aspects of it. So, I actually think in the hospital it's not overrated. It's such a powerful thing. In fact, you look at it and you're like, why didn't we do this earlier? And we're even seeing, you know, stuff like this happen with You know, whole command centers being put in place where they're monitoring the whole ICU and seeing how everyone's doing it in just a a powerful, powerful way. And so, I think you know that's a great way to do it in the hospital. I don't think it's overrated. You, you, I look at it now and I'm like, why didn't we do this way earlier? Like, why does the nurse need to walk from room to room? That doesn't make any sense. In fact, why are doctors rounding? Like, you know, you look at it now with the technology that we have available and all that, and you. You know, you're like, yeah, this makes total sense. And we just should have done it earlier. Uh, But, you know, so I think that's one side of it. On the other side, I think the at home one, I think it is overrated from this sense. The sensors are not as medically relevant as they need to be in many cases. And so, you know, it's getting there, it's starting, right? And we had this conversation before. almost there like it feels like it's it's getting there and maybe with you know now the expansion of at-home testing which we've all been doing with COVID as well uh, maybe that will help to you know do the remote patient monitoring you know and make it more clinically relevant but I think the problem is we're still in the discovery phase of RPM where we're trying to see Oh, is there something if Columbus, you know, floats across the ocean, will there be something there or is there not? I think most of us believe that there's not just one thing for Columbus to find. There's hundreds of things in, you know, in remote patient monitoring that we're going to discover, but I don't think we've discovered enough of it yet.
1: Interesting. Um, I'm sort of the opposite view. I think that uh, RPM is not overrated. In fact, I think it's underrated. Hmm. However, I do think the experience with RPM is inconsistent. I think, you know, there's too many cases still of people not being able to connect to the device when they get home. Uh, Inconsistent, um, you know, in terms of education, of teaching a patient how to use this stuff when they get to where they need to go. Uh, Also on the staffing side, I don't think it's been consistent in terms of helping staff understand when or who to give um, remote patient monitoring to and who not or who doesn't need it. So I think that side of it still needs some work, but I think overall where we've come and, and, and it's really because of the pandemic, I think it's proven now that how valuable um, remote patient monitoring can be. Like, I don't think there's like, like telehealth, I don't think there's any doubt now that people go, oh, you know what? Yes, we need to get better sensors and they need to be more medically relevant, but the whole practice of monitoring someone when I'm not there or having this data come back to me uh, and having some AI look at it. And yeah, I know maybe the AI can get a little bit better. But that is so powerful, right? Like now yeah. you're not tying up hospital beds. Now you're not uh, having people stay too long in the hospital, which we know is expensive, right? And, and it's not safe, right? <laughs> um, so I, I think actually it's not overrated. I think it's actually right where it's supposed to be. Um, but we need to work on sort of smoothing this out, making the experience a lot better.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think the challenge as well, which I, I thought you were going this direction, but you didn't, you went a different one, which I like, but uh, is the people aren't trained to do this either. Like if we went and surveyed a bunch of doctors out of medical school, out of residency, it'd be like, what would you do if you, you know, found this data from a remotely monitored patient? And they'd be like, Oh, we didn't learn about that. Right. I mean, and they're smart people. Right. And they've understand how systems work and stuff, but you know, that's a different mindset, treating someone who potentially could get sick as opposed to treating someone who is sick.
1: Yeah, no, it gets into that whole prevention side, right? Like we're not, we're not quite there yet. So anyway, I, I think there's a lot of work um, that needs to go in. And, and let's, let's be honest, like one of the questions that came up during the recent conferences was, what about those sensors that are going to be like ambient, right? <laughs> like yeah. how do you upgrade them? First of all, that's one, <laughs> right? But, but second of all, like that's going to spew out a ton of data. And you're right, like to, to your point earlier, what we do with that data is going to be very interesting. And I think that's going to be even a further tipping point for RPM to say, wow, you know what, we can take all this LiDAR data and actually do this with it. Um, And, uh, you know, and hopefully that'll make uh, patients even more uh, safe at home.
0: Yeah, if you're a data scientist, you have to be happy about what's going on.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Today, we're discussing remote patient monitoring and whether or not it is overrated. Let me ask you this one, John. It's kind of a loaded question, but are there any RPM devices that stand out
0: to you? Yeah, so, you know, I'm really intrigued, you know, as I guess you probably could tell from my previous responses with what's happening in the hospital's and the way that technology can make the remote patient monitoring and the, and the workflow just so much more efficient. So an example of that is like the Sickbay platform. I don't know if you've seen them. I know they do a lot of work in Houston with uh, Roberta Schwartz and, and basically scaling how many ICU beds they can have and how they can staff it. And it changes from a how many beds can we have, you know, and how many devices do we have to now it's software driven in many ways, right? Where the software can access all of these devices and one ICU nurse, which is extremely trained, right? I mean, that's a one of the highest trained nursing professions there is to understand all this ICU data. I saw a picture on Twitter recently of, of one of these ICU beds with all this and said only a nurse could run this. <laughs> and It's <laughs> kind of true, right? Like it's, it's a complicated thing and they have to understand what, what alerts matter, which ones don't and, and what's the situation. And I love what they're doing and kind of the sickbay platform pulls in all of that ICU monitoring data into one place and gives them an opportunity to look at, you know, patients across the ICU and to expand the ICUs as needed to be able to monitor more, more patients, which is obviously becoming a problem with workforce issues, et cetera, et cetera. So I really like what Sixbay is doing. And another one on the hospital side is I'm, I'm really interested to see what Adjuver does. Uh, Alan Portella is the CEO there. He, he started it with Airstrip and now I think it was a hundred million dollar investment or something like that with Adjuver, which is basically saying, okay okay, well, it's one thing to keep them in the hospital with all that monitoring, but what if we send them home with all those devices and we do it at home? And the studies are there and we've heard it over and over. You recover better at home when you're in the comfort of the home. You don't have all the nurses bothering you. You can sleep through the night. You're in your own bed. You have all those things, but you also still have the risk of, hey, I need to monitor you because if I don't, we're going to have a hospital readmission. And so the idea of taking those icu level devices and monitoring and putting pushing that to the home and then using airstrips knowledge of how do i get the waveforms on mobile devices so that the remotely monitoring doctor or nurse or whoever it is can see it in a way that's actually clinically relevant i think that's interesting to watch as well
1: yeah I mean, those are those are great john I, I, and it's interesting to kind of how again how you interpret um it being also in the hospital, right? Because I think classically people look at remote patient monitoring and think of the home. Um, that is where I kind of go. And to me, it's, it's not so much the individual devices, although there are some really awesome ones out there. Like there's one here from a Canadian company called Cloud DX, which does a, a real good uh, patient monitoring set of devices. They're all integrated. Um, but what's more interesting for me is uh, companies that are like bringing this all together, like Best Buy, Right. Like, and we were just at Hims 22 and, and Best Buy was there and they were showing off their line of uh, OEM uh, devices, which they have done all the pre-work to integrate. Right. Um, you know, so the scale, the, the uh, blood pressure cuff, the uh, pulse oximeters and, and those kinds of things. And now you can get them from Best Buy.
0: Well, right? and the geek and, squad will come by and install them. There you go, like, so,
1: so, so and then that's the, that's the point, right? Now you, they're making it so easy, right? So, in, in you know, you can imagine like a, um, a primary care physician who might wanna do something for one of their chronic care patients. Well, they're not gonna have the capability to have their own devices. That's just, that's not practical, right? But you can say, hey, listen, go to Best Buy and, you know, if, if they have the means, like it's a couple hundred dollars just to get these couple of devices. And yeah, the Geek Squad will, will will come and set them up, or there's some videos that, that they have to help you set these things up. So I, I like that because that that really is consumerizing this whole RPM space, and I think it'll only get better, right? Um, it is, and of course, behind the scenes, there's companies that are doing some interesting things in the RPM space, that like MedM, for example, a company that's doing a lot that makes a platform that helps integrate uh, the devices because you know, Bluetooth is not the same, right? So connecting all these devices into a single back end, making them talked together, right? And then sending the data in the right format back to an organization, that's all problematic. And Medim makes a platform that kind of does all that stuff. So I'm interested in more of the plumbing uh, in order to make the whole experience of of RPM uh, a lot smoother. And sorry, I need to add one more thing. There's these companies that frankly, I didn't know it existed. <laughs> but what they do is they're essentially an outsourced partner for the hospitals, right? And so instead of the hospital having to manage like a fleet of pulse oximeters and scales and things like that, they basically outsource the whole thing to a partner. And it's the partner's job to ship the product to the patient, work with them on the phone to make sure it's connected to their Wi-Fi. Sometimes they even collect the data, clean it, and then send it off to the, um, uh, to the hospital, right? Um, so these companies just handle everything, including the billing, uh, which makes total sense if you're a smaller organization and, and you know, again, trying to make that experience a lot smoother.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you talk about that, how important the device and the set device setup is. That's where I go when I think about, you know, who is really standing out. You know, Lenovo does a bunch of work in this and creating devices that are intended for this type of remote monitoring, right? Care agility in the space as well as in the hospital side of things. And it turns out, you know, microphones in certain situations have to be directed at certain things and it's a hard thing to solve, right? Cameras is a little bit easier than microphones actually. And so there's a lot of nuance there to be able to make sure the devices, or even if you're at home, as you said, the connectivity is, is the problem in the setup. And I love a company like Smart Meter, right? Smart Meters basically said, we're going to do cell service. And I've, I've talked to other people, uh, Life, uh, Sid from there, he, he's creating a smart hub, right. That's all connected and the hub's connecting. You just have to connect it to the hub or it's pre-connected to the hub, whatever it might be. Um, And he argues that you can't do the sell, right? In most cases, it's cost prohibitive, you know, to be able to do a sell signal, you know, the way that your Kindle does, right? The original Kindle was all sell signal. They said, we're just going to download books and it's free and you don't have to pay a subscription. It's like, well, why haven't we done that in RPM? Because it just makes sense. And the answer is cost. Although smart meter is doing it regardless of cost. So we're gonna have a whole bunch of, of options there of pre-connected stuff that just you plug in and it works. You know, I, I have the wything smart scale, you know, right behind me actually. And it was great. I connected it to my Wi-Fi, connected the app, and it's all there, right? And it just works and it connects, it knows who I am, knows who my son is, because he's much lighter. You know, you know, they work really smart and are much more effective than they used to be. So I think those are all really interesting i think there's also another interesting one you know carryum our you know our friends at carryum They're doing really interesting patient monitoring with specific populations. My favorite was this this, uh, gym that they work with. They Mm. work with a gym to do monitoring of those. I mean, I don't know, they called patients if they're (laughs) at the gym, but they essentially have the same characteristics because they're really focused on their health. They want to work out, they want to understand their body. And so we actually may learn more from that gym where you have patients that are driven to monitor themselves than we will from any other healthcare organization.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, now, you know, you're kind of getting into the world of consumer side, right? So, you know, we know we have the Core type companies, right, that are doing a medical grade kind of, or trying to become medical grade kind of-
0: Core um, is for sure.
1: Right? But, <laughs> but, then, but then you have stuff that's in a gym and then you have stuff that you could just, you know, I won't say Best Buy, cause they're sort of in between, but you know, you have the stuff that, you know, like the Fitbits of the world, right? Uh, and so when you bring that side into the equation, it starts to get really interesting when your phone just nascently can just monitor you, right? Like some of the yeah. stuff that Apple is doing and it and, does and with Apple, steps, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the Apple Watch is just getting more sophisticated, right? And so it'll be it is very exciting to kind of look at this world and kind of go, where does remote patient monitoring end and where does sort of patient generated health data begin? Right. It's it's becoming really blurry.
0: And is that what's really needed, Colin, to drive that adoption, the acceptance of RPM is, is, you know, the consumer side coming in and us just adopting ourselves as consumers? Or how do you see this adoption? Because I think that is the problem is adoption.
1: Yeah, so I think there's two parts to the adoption problem. Uh, One, I think is, as you mentioned it, I think there's still a cost problem um it's still a little bit too cost prohibitive for the medical grade stuff that needs to go to a patient that's being monitored like post procedure or for a chronic condition that's dangerous um or that you know can lead to harm so you know i think there those types of devices are still cost prohibitive even though right now maybe the patient isn't being asked to burden to bear that cost but someone is right mm-hmm. and maybe maybe it's the payer or maybe it's the the hospital Um, So someone's paying for it. And I think those, I think we need to drive down the costs of those devices and they're getting there, right? Just naturally it'll happen.
0: The the, uh, iPhone six, you know, the thousand dollar iPhone and the 300, $400 Apple watch was going to solve all this. (laughs) It should, it should maybe
1: in version 17, but uh, (laughs) I mean,
0: it's so expensive. You're you're so spot on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The, the other side, I think to your point um, also I think there's a, still a gap in terms of usefulness of this data, mm. right? So right now, yeah, I can, I can look at my steps and kind of feel good about how many I'm making. But like all the other data, like what do I really do with the heart rate data that it's able to collect? Like no one's yet come up with, okay, like me send it to this company and have it analyze me and compare me to X or Y and give me some recommendations. Like I still think this data that it's generating, the use cases aren't all there yet. And so I think what will really drive adoption is, what will tip adoption is where we can really make use of all this nascent data. Now, this is different than someone who's doing remote patient monitoring to follow up with a patient, because there, I think the use case is very clear. Like, you know, I want to make sure that 10 days after my procedure, I'm healing properly.
0: Yeah, reduce the hospital readmission.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So I think that use case is clear. But the other side, you know, when you're using the weight scales and things just for your own use, I don't think the use cases are strong enough except for a certain population to really spur the adoption widespread.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I go back to t- as well, just as patients, if we feel healthy, we're pretty apathetic. Right? <laughs> like, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but like, you know, like it, it's when I feel sick that I'm like, oh, maybe I should do more for my health. Right. And, and in the back of my mind, I know that I'm at risk for diabetes and I know that I'm should get out and exercise more. And I probably shouldn't snack at 10 PM. Right. But man, those <laughs> peanut butter m ms are so good. And, you know, like I, I know some of these things. Right. Uh, and so, You know, but it's just not that important, you know, and maybe it's a societal thing, too, right? You know, and this is talking about the broader consumer one uh, that you're talking about that, you know, we're so used to the here and now and the satisfaction of the here and now that it's really hard for our brains to process, oh, I need to make some better choices now that are going to benefit me. Twenty years from now, and I, you know, and maybe that's where the solutions need to focus. Is how do I take that data, and how do I solve that mental, you know, that mental challenge that I think a lot of us feel.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, let's be honest as well. I think as well there has to be some standardization, right, Uh, in order to spur adoption. Because right now, I'd be worried, like, hey, if I buy that scale, is it going to work with you know this or that other piece, and and I have to play the the okay, I have to look at the compatibility and I have to like, is it gonna even work with the EHR that my doctor's using? Like there's a lot of unknowns there.
0: And you'd have kilograms and we wouldn't know what that meant. That's right.
1: Like, you know, what's KG mean? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, so I think there's there's a lot of little small things, but um, but to me, the big the big one really is just the usefulness of that data that's outside of that post post-procedure type of use case. Yeah,
0: um, Well, that goes back to my Christopher Columbus analogy, right? We're still right. discovering what is the thing that's going to impact us. And, and I, you know, here's my, my theory. And, you know, I've talked about this in other places on healthcare mm-hmm. IT today. But I actually think the most exciting stuff is like the crossover. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the ECG itself, and it's not going to be the weight, and it's not going to be, you know, the steps. It's going to be the ECG plus the weight plus the steps that, you know, and and then maybe you even do an at home lab test that tells you some number. And then they look at it and say, oh, yeah, we know what's going on here. And here's something you can do to change the project, you know, trajectory of your health. Right.
1: Yeah. And we just had a massive uh, influx of that kind of at home testing, right? With uh, all the COVID test kits, we've proven that it can work, right? Absolutely. Well, John, we're at the end of another episode, and so thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com, and please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and Health IT collaborator John Lin. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.